humans, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Jessica Coxwell. First up, we have the founder and editor-in-chief of Uppercut, who has far too many other bylines and projects for me to even list, uh, because they firmly believe that they have no limits. Uh, Ty Calizero. How are you, Ty? Damn, just drag me. <laughs> right at the beginning. Just I was come like, for me right at the start. It was either that or I was going to mock your taste in uh, My Hero Academia women, so. Oh, yeah, that's, I'm glad that you didn't expose me. Thank you. <laughs> um, hi, you're, you're welcome. I'm great. I'm better now that I know that Jess has not exposed my horrible secrets. Um. <laughs> Fair. Um, next up. She is a senior staff writer at gamesindustry.biz, a culinary queen whose talents you can catch on her upcoming podcast, The Cozy Wood Kitchenette, and a familiar face to those of you who caught her over at Kind of Funny earlier this year, the lovely Reb Valentine. How are you, Reb? I'm all right. It's it's late here. It's dark. I think this is the latest time I've ever recorded a podcast before. It's exciting. Well, anything yeah, could happen. You're... <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're in the Midwest, right? So yeah, it's like nine o'clock there, yeah. huh? I forget that, like, because Kayla is also on Midwest time, but she's a monster. Yeah. So we normally record at, like, 9 or 10 p.m. her time. It's... Yeah. Sh- uh, it, it's, I usually work, so the, the people that I work with are almost all based in the U.K., so I, I regularly mm. record podcasts at, like, 7 a.m. with, like, a cup of coffee. Ooh. This is this is wild to me. <laughs> I'm here we, tried doing morning podcasts a few times like I remember there no, were a few weekends yeah. like a year or so ago and we'd be like oh yeah we'll record at like 9 a.m and just awful. it's so quiet awful idea we are not morning people it we is are not. we are not I'd rather just keep Kayla up till one in the morning <laughs> Uh, finally, our next guest is an editor at Unwinnable and Haywire Magazine. Their bylines include Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Polygon, The Verge, PC, Gamer, and Bandcamp. Uh, and they're an absolute angel for dealing with our various time zones. Uh, so coming at you all the way from Singapore, uh, Ki-Hoon Chan, how are you? Hello. I, I'm so sorry. I'm the reason why you guys are recording at such odd hours. No, no, no this is normal. That was not this a complaint. It was a, not at all a complaint. Reb is a real adult. <laughs> no, yeah, this is this is normal for us. This is early for you. We were just talking about early morning recordings yeah. and how brutal they are. <laughs> yes, it's it's not that early for me actually. But I'm I'm usually not a morning person. I I I, I usually stay in bed until eleven a.m. and yeah. <laughs> Same. I completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we are. I was gonna say we are gathered here today. I, I don't know why. <laughs> Apparently, this podcast is a wedding. <laughs> But uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, AAA games and their relationship with the media. Uh, and what kind of inspired this topic for me <laughs> was uh, the shit show that was The Last of Us 2 discourse, <laughs> uh, starting with uh, one tweet by, uh, I guess, the Jeff Kanata tweet, right? was like the one that kind of really, I think, like kicked it off. Yeah. Which one uh, was the one that was the Schindler's List That's, that's Jeff Kanata's, yeah. Okay, because yeah. that one was like the one. 
That was, yeah. So um, it was, it would have been June 12th, um, which seems like 15 years ago, but I guess that was only a month and a half. Uh, but June 12th, uh, Jeff Kanata tweeted, in a medium where everything is John Wick, The Last of Us Part Two is Schindler's List. And just like that film, there were times I wasn't sure I could keep going. It is a relentless emotional assault that I will, that I suspect will force even the most jaded gamer to feel empathy. Uh, Jason Schreier quickly uh i guess quote retweeted that and said uh, hyperbole is fun and all but if you're thinking about comparing the new zombie video game to a movie about the holocaust maybe hit the brakes uh and it started a, a whole like thread of people basically like joking about i don't know how would you even phrase that i guess just like making similar jokes i guess as far as Twitter what jeff snark. was saying Twitter yeah, snark, yeah. I mean, it was just people dunking on that dude, right? Yeah, like a genre yeah. of of particular humor that is like Twitter snark and dunks. Yeah, that that like it, you you know you know what it is. You know exactly. Yeah, what exactly, that is. exactly. Uh, just kind of like ironic jokes and dunks. Uh, and Neil Druckmann uh, was not super happy about that, and he tweeted, "With all due respect, I find these kinds of ironic jokes to be unproductive at best. Uh, we can do better with critical discourse, especially by those of us with thousands of followers, and especially about sensitive subject matter." Uh, this can let to fucking naughty dog man who has thousands <laughs> of followers and talks to Colin Moriarty <laughs> on the rag. Get fucked. <laughs> Even fucking guns blazing! Oh my god! I w- we're not even ramping up. List. We're just there. Yeah. He's he's on my fucking list. It's on site. I feel like what I'm gonna do right now is I'm just gonna walk through the rest of this particular conversation, and then we're just gonna talk about it. So Neil Druckmann said that. Jason Schreier then replied, "Hey Neil, this is weirdly personal. I'm still not sure why you feel the need to go after me multiple times for expressing that I felt an analogy was tacky. I sure hope it's not related to my recent reporting on your studio. Be well and best of luck on the launch." Uh, then Corey, I always want to call him Barlog. He's he's or Balrog, you got it right. like the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but it's Barlog. Uh, said uh, tweets are difficult to interpret nuance. But I have to say that lately you come across as a bit of a bully, Jason. I get that your bread and butter is tearing us down, but not everything is about your book or articles. Sometimes it's just about being decent to each other. Heart emoji. Uh, Jason Schreier then responded, Wow, Corey, if by us you mean people in power who facilitate the overwork and exploitation of labor, then sure, I'd be proud to say my bread and butter is tearing you down. If by us you mean game developers, then that's nonsense and we both know it. Uh, Neil Druckmann finally kind of ended it with, I mean, I don't know if it was, like, it was this ongoing thing, but he said something about like your voice carrying a lot of weight, uh, public comments, like talking about dogpiling and yeah, that, that was basically like the, the gist of the conversation. I feel like it was one of those things that was just dragged on and on and on and on. And a lot of other people chimed in. Um, and, and I, I feel like incredibly tiring this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I lost like like twenty more brain cells just listening to that recap. And I I, I saw all those tweets as they happened. Which like okay. isn't fair to me because I only have the two to start with. <laughs> Ty is down to negative eighteen brain cells for those of you keeping count on the podcast. <laughs> it works so hard now. Um. But yeah, and you know, and like, it's interesting because there are a lot of people who I follow and like, and all of us kind of voice like just being tired with it. Um, 
it, and this was around god god there's so much shit going on this is around the same time as that like jk rowling stuff and like the general consensus is like people who make things like please just stop talking like like please stop interacting and then you had people who were chiming in like i remember gary witta um you know, he, he said something in response to one of my Twitter friends that was basically just like, well, as like someone who makes things, I feel like we're allowed to be involved in the conversation. Um, and I don't know, I guess just with with me and this is just one of the things we'll focus on in this podcast, because there's like a couple other things that I was going to bring up. Um, it just starts kind of a, an interesting conversation on like, <laughs> I guess, interacting with those who interact with what you make. Um, so I'll, I'll open the floor, I guess. Who, who has things that they want to say, thoughts they want to chime in with? I have, I think, a thought that probably needs to exist at the periphery of this entire conversation. I think, I think the games industry is in, so, so Twitter is just like this for, like, all different forms of media in general, and it has, like, all these, like, weird nuanced problems with how people talk about the things that they make and talk to the people who make those things. Games Twitter has, like, a a whole other layer because we had Gamergate back in 2014, and so any time somebody does something that could potentially draw a large army of angry pissy shitty people onto the person they're targeting like regardless regardless of whether they're well-meaning or not or whether they're right or not there's always kind of this thing on the periphery like was it worth drawing attention to this was it worth drawing attention to this Mm. and i think that that exists for almost every single tweet in this entire discussion like was because this was that that whole thing i mean i don't want to like relitigate gamergate and how just absolutely horrible off the charts horrible that was but like it was something that impacted both developers and critics and journalists and i i feel like there are some people in these conversations that have less empathy for the fact that everyone could potentially be targeted by this at any time and some people who have a little bit more and sometimes it's really obvious who does and who doesn't absolutely no that's a really really good point and when you said 2014 for gamergate like my mind yeah just went blank i can't believe it was like that soon but also that long but it it still seems like it was so like that doesn't seem that long ago i mean i guess it's been six years now but that still just doesn't seem that long ago for like this whole like cultural shift um to have happened so no that's i mean because like that's dogpiling is god (laughs) well can we talk about the definition of dogpiling now because yeah the caveat that i want to add to this conversation is that not our conversation but the conversation that these three men was having was stupid from the get because all of them are wildly powerful in their industries, have huge mm-hmm. followings, and also mm-hmm. work for shitty companies because Jason Trier also works for fucking Bloomberg now. So, like, no one here is free from, like, criticism as to their values and their work and what they're doing. Because mm-hmm. um, fuck Bloomberg also. And, like, fucking... Cory Barlog like has a whole thing of being like yeah we crunched on God of War but also crunching is bad and like whatever they're all dumb but like dogpiling is like the notion that you're sending like like it isn't true like it is you're sending your Twitter followers who are rabid and shitty after one person basically just by like highlighting their existence but like there is such a difference between Jason Schreier dunking on Neil Druckmann and like if Jason Schreier was dunking on like fucking some unknown itch dev 
You know what I mean? Like, it is a completely different scope. And this man is acting like he's, like, being bullied on the playground. Like, grow up. Sorry, I'm mad. Anyway. (laughs) No, I mean, because it's like, so even, even, I guess, the smallest account out of the whole debacle is is Jeff Kanata, and he still has close to 60,000 followers. Yeah, like, the fact that Neil Druckmann, like, started his thing with, like, oh, you're influencing all your followers, it's like, you also have all of those things? Yeah, and because I just, I actually, while while you were talking, I glanced at everybody's, like, follower count, and, uh, like I said, Jeff is the lowest at about 60. Uh, Jason Schreier has a little over 200. Corey also has a little over 200. And Neil Druckmann has the most with like 400 and something thousand. Uh, but either way, none of these people, literally every single person involved in this has a verification checkmark and tens of thousands of followers, if not hundreds of thousands. Uh, so, yeah. He has corporate salary, too. Yeah. I, um, I, I think that... I mean, I mean this this whole conversation that um the the three of them are having with each other, it's 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 pretty disingenuous in a sense that um they are they are using like like words like dogpiling and 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 being decent and being nice to each other, um using these words to 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 to, to talk about um you know these cross around games and the last of us, but you know, we we all know that. It's it's not that's not really the case. The they they are just trying. At the end of the day, it is about it's really about protecting the Last of Us brand. It's it's it it is really not about dog piling or bullying or stuff like that. So, I think anybody who is looking into the conversation knows, and everyone is just sick of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just think that everyone is. Everyone is just sick of this entire conversation because it's 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 really incredibly stupid and it's just a bunch of relatively influential men just talking about how they are being bullied, which is just be dumb. Yeah. I mean I, I'm sure all of us have been like really dogpiled by by some troll before. And mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It is not. It's not. It is. It is a terrible experience, and I don't think they would even understand how it feels to be at that receiving end, where you have no power to to actually um, stop all these nasty comments trying to trying to get at you and just trying to silence you. Actually, so yeah, this whole thing is bullshit. Essentially. No, you're absolutely right. Like they, their definition of dogpiling is so different than any. I don't know. I hate. I don't want to say like a smaller account or like a less powerful account, but it is like they come from this very entitled place. So to be talking about dogpiling as if like you can relate to that experience truly is it's just baffling when you have you know like I said like four like wealthy fairly powerful fairly prolific white men <laughs> it's the whole idea of using these sort of language um languages that's usually being used to to um to talk about um i would say like people who are less influential or minority voices mm-hmm. uh yeah to, to use that to, to kind of like protect their own brand it's it's really terrible yeah 
I think that's, yeah. that that is that is what is so incredibly annoying about the entire thing. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because like they like these people don't need to be defending these games. I mean, what like what are the scores for God of War? What are the scores for The Last of Us and The Last of Us Two? Like all of them for sure are above like nineties. You know, like, or like, it's like they, they all are. Honestly, I think mine is one of the lowest scores and it was a fucking three out of five, dude. Yeah, no, it's like they have incredibly good scores. Um, So it's it's just like, like, what, why are you invoking the voices or like the, the language, I guess, of like marginalized groups to to talk about this? Yeah, it's, you know, and like I... Like, going back through it and looking at my personal feelings, I think that, like, the Jeff Kanata tweet, I think it was definitely tacky. Like, I agree. Jason Schreier used that word tacky, and, like, I'm in total agreement. I think that some of the jokes that, like, it looks like Bob Mackie was somebody who who tweeted jokes about it, and, like, Jason Schreier said, like, Bioshock's audio logs are a lot like the Diary of Anne Frank. Um, I think that some of the jokes were kind of tacky, too. And so I get Neil Druckmann being like, hey, I'm not, like, super into those. But... Just, like, everything else that came with it was just so also, ridiculous. Like, even if you don't like the jokes, like, who fucking cares? Like, go do anything else. Hmm. It's like at every point in this saga, like, you're you're looking at who is responding to whom and, like, what their goal is. So, like, like Jason Schreier responding to Jeff Kanata, like, I... I think that's like fine, right? Like he he made he's a person with like a big platform who made I think like like a tacky and I I think like potentially like somewhat offensive tweet, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. like a super great thing to say. Um and so Jason is like in a position where him like I, I think like fairly gently calling that out, like saying, "Hey, maybe hit the brakes." Like like I think that's like valid and and like, like a, a normal thing to do. And totally. Yeah, like, the the dunks are, you know, whatever. Like, we could have stopped there. But honestly, like, if it had stopped at Jason Schreier with his, you know, tweet with Kanata, like, telling him to hit the brakes, we would have, like, kind of all in our heads, like, dunked on Kanata for, like, the rest of the day. And then the conversation would have been over. Like, it would have mm-hmm. literally been over the next day, and we would have moved on to the next dumb Twitter thing. But mm-hmm. it was when, like, it was when Neil Druckmann and then later Corey Barlog stepped in and decided that this was no longer going to be a com- a, a brief sort of dumb Twitter take conversation about, oh, hey, this guy had a bad take once. It was all of a sudden going to be about this other thing, about them, about about them and how they have been, I guess, harmed by people being critical of The Last of Us, I guess. Like, I I think, I guess that's where that was coming from. But like, that's Mm -hmm. like like them, like, saying that they were victims somehow of some kind of discourse that was attacking them, which was not the case at all. And that was not what the conversation was about before. Like that's where it just went absolutely off the rails. And it's really weird to see these two people who are in positions of power at the studios they are at coming in and trying to make the discourse around their game about them as individuals instead of about the game Mm -hmm. itself, which is what it was before. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, it's like even Jason was like, hey, this seems weirdly personal because it did. It got that way. It was like a weirdly like the insertion of themselves in the situation and like have it in like this, like de- the the defending that I guess immediately happened. It was just kind of strange. Um, and Corey, I think that the like the the one 
part of any of these tweets that gets me the most is Corey saying, I get it's your bread and butter tearing us down. Um, Cause it's just ridiculous. And then Jason Schreier's like come back to that as far as if us, you mean people in power who facilitate the overwork and exploitation of labor, uh, then cool. If by us, you mean game developers, you know, that's not true. Um, so yeah, good shout out to Jason. Cause that was actually a, a pretty good tweet, I guess for to reply to that. Cause that Corey's tweet was just, that was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so that happened. <laughs> and then uh, like two weeks later, Jason Schreier tweeted again, video games are too long. That was the entire tweet. There were a couple of people who like commented on there like, oh, is this about The Last of Us 2? And he was just like, yeah, you know, and like he he didn't even like really draw that much attention to it. It was just like, yeah, it's like, but it's other stuff too. Uh, and then Troy Baker decided Completely to. Completely <laughs> lost his fucking mind. Uh, so. Uh, dude, honestly. Cancel Trey Baker. This dude has done nothing but misbehave <laughs> since this fucking game came out. It's, yeah. So Tro- Troy Baker, he does the voice of Joel in The Last of Us and the voice of every other uh, brown-haired, bearded man in video games. Um, he said, he he, he dropped a Teddy Roosevelt uh, quote just saying, like, the man in the arena uh, it is, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out the sh- how the strong man stumbles or where the <laughs> deodorant it's it's like this whole thing right it's like this whole thing it sounds like the bioshock thing dude it It, it really does no gods no kings bullshit it's so fucking dumb so troy baker dropped some bioshock shit um written by teddy roosevelt and uh really kind of i don't know just like the lack of him being able to take any and that was i think what everybody said right is like how can you not take even the slightest bit of criticism like why did this have to get hyper personal why is this like i don't know it's just weird it's just like the whole the whole thing was weird um and so i don't know i i guess just like the thoughts that i had is like from a certain perspective i guess as an artist as somebody who makes things is it valid to just like wash your hands of this and say like nah like fuck this this is my art (laughs) you know what i mean and like to and to be upset and to want to defend your art and to want to like to want to to do that um i don't know but i i mean i think it comes down to like you can do whatever the fuck you want right yeah yeah anybody can like if you make a thing and someone talks shit about it you're more than welcome to talk shit back but if you say things that are stupid or that don't make sense or that are like just blatantly untrue people are gonna fucking come back at you and that's what Mm -hmm. none of these crybaby men understand Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting that twitter has sort of given like like okay before but in the before times, before the social medias, <laughs> if you were like a critic of something, I don't know, you wrote in like a newspaper or you wrote in something or other, and like people, like the people who made the thing you were criticizing could read it, and like I don't know if they felt like it, they could like you know tell their friends or like I guess if they wanted like publish a thing saying hey that that guy was real off. I mean I don't know I I have not lived in the times before Twitter really. Um, <laughs> But, like, now it's, it's like, if somebody criticize if somebody whose job it is to be a critic, like, that is their job, that is the thing they get paid to do, um, if they, like, deliver a criticism of your work that you don't like, you can basically just walk up to their ear with a megaphone and just, like, shout their ear off about how horrible their criticism is, which I think is, like, 
it's the world we live in now, but I don't know. Like, maybe use that power, like, with more responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. I think it's not, it's not really a matter of um, 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 creators being defensive over their work. Like, of course, like, if, if you create your own stuff, you are naturally going to be very defensive over what you create. But at the end of the day, I think some people really need to um, kind of uh, understand or see that like they are very influential on Twitter and they need to be able to understand that being in that, uh, being in that position of influence means that you, you just can't shoot your mouth at every single thing that comes your way because it is going to result in like really real consequences for people who don't have the same sort of power so mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's it's really a matter of um, the the power imbalance, especially like like let's say if 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 someone like like Troy said something like that to someone with like a much smaller following, like maybe a, less than a thousand and stuff, it's definitely going to hurt the less influential so-called um, Twitter person. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of the day, it's really about power imbalance and. I mean, if you are upset about something that someone said about you, you really have to think about um, the kind of influence or the kind of power you already have and whether by actually kind of pointing out or saying something that, oh, you know, I don't like what that person said about me, whether that's going to actually cause a lot more harm to the person you're, 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 you're criticizing or not even the person you're criticizing, but the community at large as well. And yeah, that changes when you have a lot of followers on Twitter and it's it's something that a lot of people need to be a bit more aware of actually absolutely yeah I mean power imbalance is a huge thing because like you said for an account that had less than a thousand followers that would have just been a nightmare experience for like a week or longer you know what I mean like that that would have been actual dogpiling you know um and like that's that's not to say I think that like you know I I don't know it's like, I get if you were being bullied, right? But there's, like, a huge difference between being bullied and someone saying, I think games are too long. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like Directed at no one. Yeah, so, not a, yeah. Yeah, didn't say any, like... So the thing that this comes down to to me, right, is, like, number one, the discourse around The Last of Us 2 is fucking just a nightmare in so many ways. Um... But two, like, this is so indicative of the fact that, like, mainstream AAA, like, big devs, like, especially the ones who, like, want to ride the coattails of either being, like, prestige movie-esque shit or dad gamers, like, fundamentally do not have an understanding of how to take criticism. And that is because, like, games have it so much worse because it came up as, like, a fan enthusiast medium. And so, like, so much of core like gaming culture does not understand that there is such a thing as like being critical of the things that you like Mm -hmm. um or just like being able to listen to people when they say that something you like maybe it has fucked up elements um and it's just like made all of these entitled like fucking adult baby crybabies and like the worst offenders are the big devs who have that big presence that kiyun was talking about Mm-hmm. And, like, it's also just that huge insecurity that games have about, like, being a worthy medium or whatever. And instead of devs just being like, yeah, games are cool. 
like let's let them speak for themselves they get all defensive and weird and end up making it look even worse no absolutely i completely agree um and i think it's like it's it's weird too because and i don't know maybe like people who are are really into movies um would argue against what i'm going to say but i feel like to a certain extent like games just naturally are a lot more they require you to be more interactive with it like granted yes when you listen to an album or you read a book or you watch a film like you do have to be kind of an active participant you know what i mean you do have to like engage with the text or the movie like like you definitely do but you're not when when you're playing a game you're given control you are completely the whole thing is like your your interaction with it you know what i mean so i feel like it's something that kind of hits more personally for like people who are playing it and stuff like that and maybe that's i don't know i i don't know maybe maybe what i'm saying is makes sense because I, like i said i feel like people who watch movies would maybe argue and be like no it's like totally you have to interact with it but i think that with games it's just a little bit more dependent on that um i just think that people are big babies about that <laughs> too, and that's a different conversation but like the whole there's a difference between people who just, like, genuinely don't enjoy, like, narrative games. Like, I get that. Like, shout mm-hmm. out to Nate from NES Pod. Like, I get he just doesn't like mm-hmm. stories and games. And, like, mm-hmm. that's chill. But, like, all of the people who, like, go out of their way to be, like, oh, this movie, this game is so cinematic. It's so special. But then, fuck that indie game because it could have been a book or a movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a different conversation. But, like, it's just... The interactivity of games is, like, put on this pedestal that's really, really ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of, like, what lets shitty gamers be shitty. Mm-hmm. No, I would agree with that. It's just, it's different is, I guess, like, what I was, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, a different yeah, I just, type like, of experience. I don't think that that's, like, a, I'm not saying that you're letting people off the hook, but I think that's a way that people try to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's bullshit. Yeah. Um. You know, it's weird, too. This is, like, weird timing for this topic <laughs> for me because um, I just I just wrote this persona piece. Um, and, like, it's really not that bad. Like, I don't know. I have fairly, like, thick skin. I don't really care too much. And I've been very liberal with my block button because it's just not worth it, I've discovered. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just really not worth it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Just, like, the the whole – I guess, like, last night – I was on the phone with a friend and I was like, sometimes I just feel like, like being a critic, like I feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Like, cause, and I think that's the thing is you, you see so many people who like tweet at you and be like, oh, the person who wrote this is just entitled. Like let people like, let art be art. Let people make art. Like why, why did people have to criticize stuff? And like, I just got really in my head about it. I was just like, man, maybe like, what if, what if my thoughts are entitled? What if I am being a whiny baby? You know, like just like all of like the negative stuff, like hitting me. Um, and I was talking to a friend and they were just like, no, that's, that's not what criticism is for like you have to think about why criticism is important and you know lifting marginalized and like and how it's affected like games even over the last 15 years you know what i mean like the difference like the shift in like the importance of indie games um like what mainstream games have in them as far as content goes like how much more like it, it we're still so far away from like things feeling truly inclusive but how much more inclusive things feel now um and that's all just because of like having those conversations and it feels kind of tough but if like the people who were you know to question it and, and back away just kind of did that um 
it would just be the alt-right-ish trolls who, on the internet who were, like, dictating the conversation. So it's, I don't know, it's it just had me thinking. All of this has me thinking, you know, just about criticism and entitlement and dogpiling and bullying. And it's, it's I don't know. There's My also, mind's kind of all over. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. That was it. There's also, like, I feel like in video games right now, and I, I don't know enough about the history of any other entertainment medium to, like, really say if there's been a comparable thing in others, but, like, Video games are at this weird point where there's just like this fundamentally deep misunderstanding from absolutely all sides, all well, most sides um, mm-hmm. of of what criticism in video games like actually is, right? Because because mm-hmm. for years, like you know, video games were not like that much deeper than like Mario sixty four, right? Like like criticism amounted to like, is this fun, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like fine. I'm not like knocking that, you know. It it the the kind of work that you do like adapts to the thing that you're working with, and that's like fine. And I th- there's absolutely still value in people who say, yeah, this is fun. It plays really good. It's technically good. Like all those other things. I think that's like valuable and has a place around here. But there's there's also room now that we have. We have gotten better technology. We have gotten a better understanding of the medium and the art form. And now we're able to tell progressively more and more complex stories. And so there's there's a growing room, like just constantly, for people to do a different kind of critical work, like a more, a more I guess, like more artistic critical work, a more, mm-hmm. as, as you say, you know, elevating marginalized voices and like pointing out, hey, this was not done well. We need to have a conversation about this. Or this was great. We need to talk about this. Uh, there's so much more room and that's just constantly growing. But because the the field of games criticism is so, de- I mean, depending on where you write for, or where you speak for, like it's so deeply muddied with, you know, PR and mm-hmm. rewriting news and the other kind of criticism that I mentioned, which is, you know, just like, hey, does this, th- does this thing function? Is it fun? Is it a good value for your money? Or I guess like buyer's guides kinds of things or like game guides or uh, like straight up journalism. Like it's all just in one like mushy pot. And mm-hmm. I feel like the individuals who do that work generally understand pretty well which of those types of work they are doing. But the people who are reading that work and the people who are engaging that with that work, and I think that people like Troy Baker, um, do not understand which is which and why certain things are important. And it's really difficult to educate people about that when there's just this angry mob that thinks that all video game journalism is bad and thinks that all video game journalism encompasses is all of the things I just listed. No, you're absolutely, I'm so glad that you brought that up because like that is, yes, (laughs) like that's something that needs to be said because they're, they're not, you can't lump them all together. There are like the people who talk about games from a more technical standpoint or there are guide writers and then you have people who, and I feel like there's like this, and this is something that Ty and I have even, you know, talked about, like there's a difference between writing like features and like things that are really rooted in like, this is how I feel. This is how this game made me feel. And then there's like a difference between that and even like criticism, which is more like textually based, you know what I mean? And is, is a little bit, and, and, like, it can still be rooted in your feelings, obviously. I mean, you can't take feelings out of literally anything you write unless maybe you're writing a guide. You know what I mean? But I just, like, like you really – you have to have that there. Like, nothing nothing is objective as much as you will pe- meet people online who will ask for just objective reviews or, you know, criticize me complaining about something because, oh, well, clearly I'm a social justice warrior if I don't like uh, the 16-year-old sleeping with 35-year-old women. Um <laughs> but god forbid god forbid um but yeah so it's it's important to distinguish between all of those things because they're so incredibly different and that actually segues us into something else that i wanted to talk about um because it was talking about like basically media 
as PR. Um, and that's kind of like the second half of this. Um, and I wanted to talk about, I mean, <laughs> this was something, so Kayla was originally going to be on the show and Kayla brought up, uh, Patrick Klepek getting all of these pitches from Gearbox, basically saying, Randy Pitchford wants to talk to you about these topics. Um, he got like three different emails and it was just like, below is a quote from Randy Pitchford, founder of Gearbox about President Trump's latest stance on immigration. Uh, it should work for any stories that you're currently working on. Then there was another one that said, uh, Zoom isn't the only way Americans are keeping in contact. Uh, nearly 40% of all Americans are now playing video games to stay in touch with people. Uh, Randy is free to talk about it if you want to talk to him. And there was, it was like a few things like that where they were just trying to get Randy on that PR train. Uh, and Patrick Klepek was just like, I'm getting really tired of getting these weird emails. Um, and then there's been stuff with CD Projekt Red um, and, and Cyberpunk, which is coming out here and what, like... Oh, well, it was pushed back even further. I, I keep thinking it's coming sooner than it is, but it was pushed back Thank further. God. <laughs> um, but you have CD Projekt Red. And uh, Andy McNamara, formerly of uh, Game Informer, was talking about how when Project Red uh, pitched The Witcher 3, they gave them a 32-page magazine basically running through, like, why they should talk about this game in Game Informer. Uh, and then the last issue that Andy did before he left uh, is he just worked on the Cyberpunk 2077 issue. And, like, even the language he used in his tweet is, like, it was so cool working with Project uh, CD Project Red on this. Um, and then, you know, you've just seen stuff like gifts given out like the there's a like the secret labs uh cyberpunk chair that i saw a bunch of different people get um and kind of just using money um to increase their likability uh and it really it gives triple a studios kind of an unfair advantage um and it also it starts to make it seem even if like i don't want to suggest at all because i don't believe that like this stuff consciously makes it to where like like you, people are like paying for their reviews right or paying for like you know whatever but i think that there becomes like this line um or as i guess this blurring of a line between pr and media and even like god i mean neil Druckmann came on to a couple different like I, he was on kind of funny and a couple different things talking about like the last of us too um and and that gets kind of blurry, too, because, I mean, how likely are you to be there, you know, standing next to the person who made this game, this, like, really important, like, famous guy, and be like, yeah, but, like, I also thought, like, you doing this was kind of shitty. You know what I mean? Like, how likely is that, to, like, to come up in the conversation? Um, I don't know. And I just, like, it's it's a lot of controlling the message of the game, controlling the content of the game, being likable, using your money to be likable. Um, and it kind of creates you know, very, like, rigid circles and, and, like, the coverage is very uh, narrow in its scope and it kind of elevates the gaming uh, auteurs of the world. So it's interesting I, and, like, yeah. like the, the PR thing. Yeah, I, 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 I... Sorry, do you want to go ahead? No, go, Key, go for it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I personally think that what PR is doing... Talking about what PR is doing... Um, I don't think they're doing anything that is honestly out of the ordinary. I mean, um, my 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 day job is I, I work in the in the in the ad industry, and I I have a lot of friends who work in PR outside of the games industry, and this sort of stuff like like um like um you know 
pitching for 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 by uh pitching for interviews and and by lines and giving away gifts and things like that. Those are actually, I would say, actually pretty common um PR practices. Mm -hmm. So, I I I don't think these are um like what PR is doing is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. And for bigger AAA studios, they they have the money, they have the budget to do this kind of thing. So, I mean, more power to them if they want to do it. Um, but what is important is how journalists and critics actually um, receive or react to these, um, to these uh, uh, gifts and information and, and bylines and, and, and requests for interviews. Like, I, I firmly believe that what Andy did for Game Informer is out of line because he's 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 not he's not a games influencer. He is he's the editor in chief, I think, of, of Game Informer. Mm -hmm. He was then. And with that responsibility with, with that comes some responsibility of being critical of the kind of things they receive from PR and, and, and AAA studios because you have a responsibility to still remain critical of of, of these studios regardless of what they sent you. And like with 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 um, CD Project Red actually sending uh game informer like that thirty two page magazine. I think I think that's I mean personally I think that's a really good idea for PR to do. But for him to receive the magazine so enthusiastically and happily it's it is really odd. Um yeah it's at the end of the day it's a lot a lot of, a lot of responsibility lies on journalists and critics and how they actually you know react to this um this sort of um gestures from pr because ultimately what pr is trying to do is to get more awareness and you know get the name out for the brand and that's their job and i don't think there's anything wrong with that um mm -hmm. yeah we need to be more critical basically yeah. yeah, I I agree. I think that like so, like the so you listed multiple things here. I think that some mm -hmm. of these are like the, there's like a scale here of like heinousness. Um, the the emails to Patrick are like about Randy Pitchford are like a little bit weird, right? Um, I so I get emails like that all the damn time. I don't get them for Randy Pitchford though. I you <laughs> I get like a lot of emails from smaller company like a lot of vr companies a mm, lot of mm. like a lot of blockchain mm. companies um and then a oh lot my of God. did reb how many blockchain emails did you get for packs oh god just <laughs> i don't even want <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit hole but yes um but yeah like and then like smaller video game companies and stuff usually ones are like doing like some kind of like unusual thing that i may not write about otherwise that are specifically like pitching their people to comment on the latest whatever because like their ceo because they want like they want their name to be out there they're like trying to get visibility on their name um and i like almost always ignore those because I'm usually not writing about the thing they're emailing me about anyway, mm -hmm. but I've never gotten any, anything for someone who was already high profile, like Randy Pitchford. So like, like those were weird to me, but it seems like a normal thing. And also I would, this is me guessing, like, I don't know anything about what that relationship is like. I don't even know who sent Patrick those emails or like what PR it was, but I have had a lot of situations where I have been pitched on something from a PR agency that was affiliated with who they were pitching, but not like directly connected. Mm. And so if I said, if I said yes to it, they then had to like go and like check. And that I've had it happen a couple times where it was like, oh, they didn't actually agree to this. It was just the PR person kind of doing the thing. Um, and so it could like, I, I mean... I'm not in the in the business of defending Randy Pitchford, but I would venture to say that he's like at least like two or three steps removed from these emails, like personally. 
Yeah. Um, just in that particular situation. Um, but then, like, th- yeah, you're right. There is, like, the thing about, like, sending journalists stuff and that. So I'm I'm a journalist. Like, I do not. I've, I've done criticism in the past, but I, I do not do it now. I write for a business website. We don't do reviews or criticism of any kind. I still get sent stuff, be- like, because I'm on press lists from before. And so stuff, like, companies will send me, like, swag and stuff, like, when they're trying to promote something, or I'll be at, like, a PAX or whatever. And it's a little bit weird, but you just kind of, like, brush it off. It's, like, whatever, like, you donate it or whatever. Um, I think I think the thing that where it gets, like, even weirder is, and, and like, really, like, blurs lines is, I'm, I'm I'm ballparking this off the top of my head. Maybe one of you guys knows about it and can like help set me straight, but there have been situations where like in the past before the COVID times um, where journalists were like flown out to review events. I think like Call of Duty is like Mm -hmm. one of the big offenders here where the, instead of getting a copy at their, you know, apartment or house to review in their own space in their own time. Like if you want to review the game, you have to be flown out to this big media event or whatever. I mean, I put up at a hotel and they feed you and you have to review it with these hours and the developers are like right behind you right there. That's where I'm like, whoa, I mean, didn't Slam they just, on the brakes. they just did that with Persona 5 Royal, didn't they? Wasn't that like an event in LA where people were flown out and got to play it with the developers there and stuff? I do, I do not know. I, I think that just, yeah, that like just happened recently. But yeah, but yeah, like that, weird. that's where it kind of, I think, I think most, I mean, I, th- I think when you're first getting into the business, there's always like this weird, like kind of buzzy excitement, like, oh, this game developer I like sent me like a box with stuff for a game that I liked. Oh, that's so cool. But once you've been in it for like a hot minute, you're like, whoa, this is kind of dumb. Like this isn't, do they think this is going to sway me? Like, mm-hmm. it's, I wish, I would rather have, you know, a, a flash drive with some really good screenshots and B-roll, honestly. <laughs> or or like an yeah. extra week on the review embargo if you really want to make me happy. Um but yeah, it's 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 interesting, like kind of what the what the scale is on that kind of stuff, like how how these things come together. I can't really say anything about the the Game Informer thing because I have no idea how those cover stories get pitched. Mm-hmm. I I know that I'm personally guilty of if I get sent like a free game code or something, or if I actually a better example is like if I have a really good interview with a developer who I'm whose game I'm really excited about, I. I will happily tweet out the interview and be like, man, this was such an exciting conversation. I had a really good time talking to this person. And that like mm-hmm. comes from a genuine place in my heart. But again, I'm also not a critic. So I don't know. And that's not going to stop me if I find out the very next day that they were doing something heinous. I'm going to fucking report on it. Like I'm not I'm not going to hit the brakes because we had a nice conversation the previous day or because they sent me a poster like you do the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, like yeah. I. I like that perspective because it's like at the end of the day, like PR people, advertising people, they're just doing their jobs. It's hard because there is an unfair advantage. Obviously, these studios with a lot of money are the ones who are able to put more into it. And I mean, this is this is everything in life, right? It's like the people with more money can put more into it and they constantly just stay in the zeitgeist. But um I think that that's why it's so important, though, to have critics and journalists and, you know, different media outlets that look beyond that. And, like, that's kind of their responsibility is to, like, not be starstruck by that stuff and to still do the work to to lift up, you know, games made by marginalized voices and to keep, like, the little people in mind and not be completely enamored with that. Like... Honestly, I would murder a man for one of those Battleship Brigade branded Easy Bake Oven. 
Um, I would. I just Googled to see if I could buy one, actually, and none of the games journalists who got them have apparently put them on eBay, so mm. fuck y'all. Um, <laughs> first of all. But second of all, yeah, no, I totally agree with, like, with Key and Reb on that. Like, it, it absolutely is on us as, like, journalists or critics or whatever, you know, to be aware of what we're doing and, you know, if we're being influenced, how we're being influenced. I think also something that has made it really weird and muddy, like, again, kind of going back to what Reb was talking about, of how, like, games journalism, like, capital G, capital J, has become this all-encompassing term that doesn't really make sense, because I think a lot of it, like, influencers get a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people think that influencers are the same, and sometimes they are, like, not picking on him at all, but, like, Paris, right, um, from Spawn on Me is, like, a streamer and an influencer, but now he's also a host for IGN sometimes. And, like, those lines get very confusing, um, especially if someone is maybe moving around in their career tra- trajectory. Um, and, like, you know, we can have the conversation of, like, well, okay, as a host, a journalist, well... It probably depends on what they're hosting. I don't know. Um, And so, like, I think the influencer shit just makes it muddier, especially because a lot of folks now are making their living by kind of being, like, half and half. Um, So, yeah. Because this industry is on fire and we all have to have, like, five jobs to, like, sustain anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's – and I don't blame those people for hustling, but I think it does, like – muddy the water even more you know yeah i mean because even if you're a critic i mean i feel like you still have to consider like you have to be a brand right like you have to be a personality people have to come to you because they like your personality they like how you review things they like your presence on twitter and like so it starts to to blur the line between like what you're actually doing and then like the influence and personality that you have and i think it's hard too because it's like it's it you don't i don't know like there's there's such this like po- like toxic positivity in games um, where a lot of these people who who get that influencer status and who are getting like these free gifts and and who are you know doing this they're like the very like I don't know it's it's hard I feel like there's like that pressure to not speak up when shit's going like when shit's bad you know what I mean when like a, a bad co- like a triple A studio has really horrible labor practices um they're the people who stay a little bit quieter um and i don't know the whole thing is frustrating and hard (laughs) no that's that's right on because that circles right back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning there's this toxic positivity and if you're someone who has enough influence and power and resources like someone like jason schreier to you know every once in a while say hey Maybe we don't compare the zombie video mm-hmm. game to Schindler's List or hey, labor practices, you got bad ones. We're going to talk about them. When you have somebody who's able to do things like that, you've got these, you know, other otherwise powerful studio heads and developers and company heads who are coming out and be like, "Hey, where's the positivity? Mm-hmm. Why are you being so negative? Why can't we all just be nice on Twitter?" Well, there's a difference between being critical and being nasty and we're allowed to be critical. It's it's okay. It's our, it's people's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and past a certain point, too, like, there are certain critics who get, like, shit on for being aggressive and angry, and past a certain point, it's, like, when this continues to be the state of things, like, 
I can't be mad at them for being more aggressive and angry because, like, being just a normal fucking person already gets you attacked. So, like, and nothing changes. So, like, I get it. But it's frustrating that then those people are like, oh, they're so mean, they're shitty, they're bullies. And it's like, no, they're just fucking tired. Dude. Well, like, yeah, and it's like, I can't imagine. I mean, there are, there are, when you say that, there are obviously, like, lots of different critics and stuff who come to mind who I know, like, kind of go through that. And, like, not to plug this again, but, like, even with, with me writing that persona piece, like, it when I went into writing that, like, even one of the people I had look over it and kind of give me edits was, like, or, like, just not even, it wasn't even edits. It was before I even wrote the piece. It was, like, the very beginning. Mm-hmm. They were, like, make sure you never go into something with, like, this, like, this ideology of like you're wrong sit down shut up and listen you know what i mean like because that's not how you get people to read your stuff that's not how you get people to be responsive um and like i felt like when i wrote that i was like oh yeah like i'm totally i have like i have this mentality i'm just trying to be open i'm just trying to lay down like how i feel i'm gonna i'm gonna support this i'm gonna like and what's so funny too is because it's the people who always give you shit are the ones who call you like you know feminazi and, and all of this stuff too when i wrote that piece like so many times throughout it i was like defending men (laughs) you know what I mean like I was talking Mm -hmm. about how like toxic you know masculinity like hurts men it makes it to where men can't be vulnerable this 16 year old kid like can't be vulnerable or seen as a victim of of older women kind of like seducing him and having a relationship with him because he's a guy and guys should be strong and guys should should want sex and and all of this stuff like I I was like defending that but like it's still like people like people will not read it and then they just tell you that you know ah like feminism is is horrible and and you're and you hate men and you you know it's it, like you're you're critical like why can't you just like enjoy things it's it's i don't know it's the whole thing was just so fucking stupid i tried so hard going into that with like this like po- i don't know weirdly like positive even though i was being critical mentality and people just don't care <laughs> No, we knew. And it, well, we knew. I, but it, but it makes you feel jaded because, like, I came out of that and I'm just like, what? Like, I was trying to be so cool about this, but I don't know. Internet's bad. Internet is bad. Gamers are fucking babies. Well, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just a huge difference between being, you know, what Reb said, being nasty and being critical. And. I don't know how to make people see that difference. But it's like, I mean, it makes me really grateful that I'm in circles that do, you know, that someone like uh, Michael from GameSpot, um, he retweeted my piece and was just like, hey, like Persona 5 is one of my favorite games of all time, but I enjoyed this. And, you know, like, I agree. And I believe he said it was straight facts. It was straight facts, you know? And, like, that's cool. Even if you don't agree, just being like, hey, like, I like reading things that kind of maybe come after or whatever. Uh, I'm quotes around that, you know, like a thing that I love. Like, God, I mean, Final Fantasy VII is my favorite game of all time. I adore that game. That game is what made me love games. Um and there are so many problems with it. There are so many problems. And, like, I would happily read pieces kind of, like, talking about, like, queer representation in those games. Or, you know, like, Barrett not being a like, like, I guess, like, radicalism and in, in protests and stuff like that in those games and how that's portrayed. Like, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that stuff dissected because even though I love that game, 
there are problems. And I think it's interesting to look into those and see how like things could be better. And so when people just shut off from that, it's so frustrating. It's just, I don't know. What a wild and just out of this world idea to <laughs> want to to care about and want to take apart and and think deeply about the things that you love. Like what? Mm. Wow. That's just I, I can't fathom that. Wow. And it just makes me think, too, like all of these people, like, do you not have people in your lives who you love, but like do shit that pisses you off? like you know what i mean like everyone i like is perfect (laughs) like i i don't understand how you could have this mentality of like not everything is either a hundred percent good or a hundred percent shitty nothing in the like in the middle like like it's just i don't know (laughs) like there you know and i granted like whenever i have people who have like drastic ideological uh different you know belief differences whether they're family or whatever like yeah there's a certain point when you're like i don't want that shit around um you know and and that's one thing but it's like just like when you have people in your lives who just do those those little things that irritate you or you don't agree with these things that they do you have a conversation about it right like you bring you bring attention to it and be like hey love you but like don't love this shit And, like, that's a normal, healthy thing to do. That's how you have a healthy relationship. So, like, why are we so weirded out by doing that with other things? Like, why why does Troy Baker feel the need to jump in and defend this thing because somebody says it's slightly too long? Like, why why so defensive about all this? Well, because gamers don't have healthy, normal relationships. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's there's truth behind it. Uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, <laughs> I always want. I always like feel inclined when discussions like this come up. Is like I want to. I want to like like conclude somehow on like a here's how we fix it kind of thing. But I don't. I don't actually know. Right? Like, like this is, we've just, like, discussed, like, this really nuanced thing that, like, has a million, there's, like, a million different problems. They come from, like, a ton of different directions. There's, like, a bunch of history behind it. Um, and then people are just, like, like got their fingers in their ears and just going la 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 about, like, you know, stuff that they, like, they, they just want to look, there's, like, a contingent of people that just wants to like the things they like without ever having to consider for two seconds that anything at all might be less than perfect about them. Mm. And it's, like, it's like really hard and I don't I don't really know what we do except, you know, continue making making good things and talking about good things and talking about the ways in which good things are flawed. Like I don't really know what more there can be to it. And elevate and elevating more voices doing that. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. And like that's all, you know, when you brought that up like what do we do? Like what cuz I, you know, that's you always do want to have solutions, right? You don't want to just spend an hour talking about how mad you are and frustrated about something and feel like helpless at the end or like that you're not offering no solutions. But like, I think that ultimately is it is it's just we have conversations like this and express frustration and we keep we keep writing the things that mean a lot to us and we keep trying to have these conversations. And like, I think it's getting better. You know what I mean? Like, I genuinely do. Like, it seems like more and more people give a shit and more and more people are willing to say like i like this thing it's not perfect um and that's good um you know so i, th- I think it's just it's it's about keeping on and, and change is slow and we're also you know the people who first started playing games generally you know are are older now um and they still there's still like that kind of the way games were like that, that kind of stigma, you know what I mean? And as that kind of, as people kind of grow out of that and that's less prevalent, 
um, I think it's just going to be a healthier space. I hope so. I mean, part of it, too, is, like, games eats people up in every part of the industry. Mm -hmm. So we don't have, like, a collective history. Like, you see a lot of the critics who have been around, and journalists, who have been around for more than a couple of years are like, yeah, like we've already had this fucking conversation mm -hmm. because like we just don't have any like group history because most the like life expectancy for a career in game dev and game journalism is three to five years. So people don't fucking stay. So we don't ever learn our fucking lessons. Mm -hmm. No, nope. we have the same discourse like every year. Right. Like so somebody did a tweet earlier this year. I don't I don't remember who it was, so I can't like adequately give them credit. But it was basically like like the calendar of discourse or whatever for the for games mm -hmm. Twitter. And like, I don't know, like January is dif is the difficulty discourse. You know, like February is <laughs> I, I don't know, like I, I don't know. But it was basically like a list of like all the discourses we have. Our games are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that. That comes up yeah. at some point. Yeah. No, it's true. You know, and it's like I've like. I don't remember when I first started a YouTube channel, like, trying to do... It was, like, the first dabble into things, and that was maybe, like, five years ago or four years ago or something. And then, you know, started, like, really doing stuff with, like, Uppercut a couple years ago. And, um, you know, so it's, like... You know, it's, it's so funny that you say it's three to five years because, like, you know, stuff will happen to me. And, We're like, old, Jess. Huh? For games now, like, you and I are, like, mid-range now. <laughs> I know. That's wild because, like, but like, you say three to five years and then I sit back and think about it and I'm like, yeah, man, like, it's been probably three or so years and, like, there are straight up times and I'm like, I could be a teacher. <laughs> does, my does my freelancing time count? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess I guess it must, right? Like even the, even yeah. if I was working for like a a terrible contract site that didn't really pay me. Um. So I've been in for six years. Mm. So you're you're, you're a veteran. You. I'm ancient survivor. <laughs> I'm growing gray hairs. <laughs> I'm gonna kick the bucket soon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's weird. I guess, and that is kind of I guess a big issue is not having that collective history, and then everything's so divided now it's it's weird it's a weird industry i mean the core solution is we need to fucking take down capitalism so that like right. people can have sustainable lives mm -hmm. but you know that's that's like a pretty big solution um well yeah because so. it's like you get into i feel like there are so many people who get into games journalism with stars in their eyes and then you're forced to live in san francisco and you know where we're like realistically to live like like i have a i have a friend who this is it sounds so stupid i have a friend who has a friend but who works at like a, a visual novel um I, I think it's like one of those like mobile game type things like a dating thing like visual novel like she's an editor like episode or something. exactly like exactly like that like and she is an editor um for one of these companies and she makes like her and my friend were talking. My friend lives in Missouri and she lives in San Francisco and she makes like $85,000 a year, 80 to 90 or something like that. And like to my friend in Missouri, they're just like, holy shit, like that's like so good. Like you'd be living really well. And she's like, yeah, I have a studio apartment. <laughs> and like, and like the thing is, is like, like intro pos positions, intro like 
at IGN or something like that, you don't even make close to that much if you're expected. No, you make like fifty thousand. Yeah, like I, you make like I think the the range is like anywhere from like forty five to fifty five thousand. You know what I mean? Is like what you start off as, and like you can't like you have you're forced to be living with roommates. I mean, there are people who've been doing this job for fucking ten years who live with roommates. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah, it's. It sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, people are going to do this for a little bit. They become in starry-eyed, and then you become so disenchanted and jaded with everything. You, you're constantly shit on by people who think that you suck and who don't play, actually play the games and, and this and this, or you don't know what you're talking about, and you're not making the money to deal with that shit. Well, yeah, and there's not enough staff positions to go around either, mm-hmm. so freelancers are fighting each other, too. Mm-hmm. The industry's on fire. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I have nothing to add to that except yeah. Sorry for the bleak yeah, conversation. No, I mean, yeah. It's 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 all right. That's that's how that's exactly how it is, yeah. And it's even worse right now because there are like, you know, there there are even fewer jobs. No, every everyone's on a dang hiring freeze. You know, all the big media companies are laying people off. Like and then and they're all like switching to relying on freelance labor, which in theory would be like an, a nice like thing for the freelancers. But like one, they don't get paid shit for the most part. And two, like th- them saying, oh, we're going to move to relying on freelancers. is not actually working. It's not actually resulting in more work be- existing to go around. So. Yeah, it's like I've never been super involved. I like I mean I'm not involved in like the freelancing game, right? Like I I write stuff for Uppercut and like I've I've written for like one other outlet. Like I it, honestly it stresses me out. It just seems so intense and like I have, you know, people who are kind of pushing me to get more involved and do, and to get those bylines and stuff like that. But it just seems so stressful um it's kind of deterred me. Freelancing sucks if you're not built. <laughs> yeah, well and like and then I like and because I was so, like, just not a part of that, um, I didn't really realize, like, how horrible the rates are. Like, when I heard the oh, rates. <laughs> Jess, you and I can have a conversation. No, I will. And, like, that's the crazy thing, right? So Uppercut, we're always really transparent about, like, what we pay. Like, we, we're, like, 50 bucks for, because, um, like, because we're, we're funded by Patreon and ourselves. Like, we're still, like, in the red, I'm sure, between, like, you know, all of us buying equipment, just, like, like the wet. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, we're we're hovering. Like, I don't I don't know. But we, you know, our Patreon makes like four hundred ish dollars a month or whatever. And like 50 goes to our freelancer. And then we have a couple other people who like we have somebody who's going to be doing a column for us. They get some like like just just stuff like that. Um, And like those aren't bad rates. And like we're this tiny indie, like basically almost self-funded thing. And like us paying fifty dollars for like a thousand words isn't horrible. And like that's crazy to me because we're not we're tiny. We're tiny. Like we're just doing as little as we can. We're trying to be fair. Um but I didn't mean to rag on you guys, but no, no. I'm talking like these big oh, companies no. with piles of money that really ought to be paying people. No, more. no, I totally didn't oh, take no. it that way. I'm just I think that's what we're I think that's what we're saying, Rap is like there are all these corporate outlets who pay like shit and like we are five people with a patreon and like i have a decent day job yeah Yeah, Um, no like i'm like totally didn't take it that way i'm just saying like it's it's embarrassing that like and i'm not trying to like say that we're so great like look at us pay but i'm just like it was shocking to me to to realize that some of these places that make millions of dollars and and have full staffs and studios and, and all of this like pay the same as a group of five people <laughs> like that's just wild or like slightly more you know what i mean like it's just that's just wild yeah. 
Uh, no one in games journalism, except possibly Jason Schreier, is paid enough. Actually, no, not you know, not even Jason Schreier. Nobody in games journalism is paid enough to sit there and read nonsense like Troy Baker posting that man in the arena quote. <laughs> <laughs> True. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Does does anybody have any final thoughts before we uh, we put a bow on this episode and? Uh... And are done with it all. Done with the discourse. Uh, support the outlets that do the work that you like, whether that's Uppercut or other outlets. Mm-hmm. Find find monetary or social ways to support them. Help journalists. Yeah, y'all retweet shit. That yeah. Twitter moves fast, dog. Mm-hmm. I would say yeah. I mean, retweeting is like. I mean, it's free. Um, and it's one of like the simplest ways to show support and just be like cool you know what i mean and like to because it's you're just spreading the word you're like hey i like this thing maybe you will too um and yeah it's it's cool support your friends support the work that you like um but yeah i i guess that's uh that's gonna do it for us today uh it's kind of a lot to unpack kind of a little bit of a frustrating uh conversation so i hope everybody after this you know do, do a little meditation or or something um so kihun uh where can people find you online you can find me on twitter um, um my twitter handle is crap secular so you can find me there and um yeah I, I i'm still trying to write for whatever publications will take me to be honest so yeah i'm most active on twitter anyway you can find me there yeah also, read unwinnable. Yeah, read unwinnable for real. Oh yes, definitely. Please read unwinnable. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any like projects you have or, or pieces coming out that you want to plug? I do have. I think I do have a few pieces coming up. I have done. I'm. I'm. I. I. I think I have a piece with Polygon coming up, probably. Uh, today I think. I hope, <laughs> and a couple of pieces coming in as well. But yeah. You know, and, and I, I, I tend to share them on Twitter so you can see them there Yeah, perfect awesome and yeah. Reb how about mm. you where can people find you and anything you want to plug yeah you can find me on Twitter at Duck Valentine um, if you like video game food and good conversations about video game food and culture and how they all intersect um, this fall I'm launching a new podcast um, called the Cozywood Kitchenette you can find it at Cozywood Kitchen there's not much there right now but probably Probably around about September, October, there's going to start being things there. Um, you can find my work. I'm a video game business journalist. I'm at gamesindustry.biz. And I don't know when this podcast is actually getting posted, but um, on we're recording it on a Sunday. And so tomorrow, Monday, uh, I've got a piece going up. Uh, if you have ever wondered, hey, uh, did the materials that were used to make my video game console that sits in my li- living room uh, inadvertently fund human rights abuses? If you ever wondered that, um, I got a piece going up about that on Monday. So enjoy that. That sounds awesome. very interesting. I and love it. Yeah. It's our annual report on uh, conflict mineral sourcing in uh, games. So this yeah. kind of this kind of um, articles that really should be written more often yeah and and we don't see these kind of articles being written all the time actually i am extremely lucky to work for a site that encourages me to do that kind of reporting 
<laughs> yeah, no, I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, the work both of you, all, Ty, you as well, the work that all of you do, um, is incredible. And Reb, yeah, like your, some, your reporting is so good. <laughs> um, I will, I will, uh, link that article in the episode or the show notes. Um, well, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. So everybody can check it out because that sounds really, really cool. Uh, Ty, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on, twitter.com at uh ty underscore gn8rs uh you can also catch me uh writing news for GameSpot now um so if you hell yeah they can know those those hot (laughs) gaming deets congrats thank you Um, i was so proud during that xbox press conference when i saw that that game pass article that ty wrote it's just my heart grew like three sizes (laughs) um what did i write i wrote i'm trying to think of what my favorite one that i've done so far Mm -hmm. is um and i think i've written a lot about the nintendo leak um Mm -hmm. and all the shit that's been coming out with that (laughs) so that's been fun um but yeah so you can do that and then um yeah uppercut obviously so um yeah yeah and you can find me at jessicogs over on twitter and instagram though i don't really post a lot on instagram so pretty much just twitter uh palin around is a product of uppercut which you can find on all social media at uppercut crit and uppercutcrit.com. Uh, if you'd like to hang out with the uppercut crew feel free to join our discord as always the link is in the episode description and if you like the show be sure to rate and review it on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts if you just can't get enough you can head over to patreon.com slash uppercut crit and toss a few bucks our way to get it early uh or to get your name right at the end just like these folks here i'm gonna pull up my little list uh so shout out to dale chris hardigan uh jesse vitelli eric sap javi gwaltney game crash adept 777 tyler mccall optional objectives michael diaz suarez kenth shepherd lucas lyon Eric Jin, Eli Berg Moss, Adrian A. Rock Williams, Matthew Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Sean Martin, Jesse Peterson, Numair Osman El Amin, Jared Shu, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Quinton Hoffman, Abnormal Mapping, and Mikey Phillips. Thank you all so much for your generosity, and thank you, listener, for palling around with us. Bye. (laughs) 